Welcome to Head Start, the podcast for race directors and the business of putting on races. Sports tourism, you've heard the phrase, people traveling to places to participate in sporting events. Well, that's a whole thing these days, and a very fast-growing thing at that. So, how can your race capitalize on this trend? And how can you position your event to attract more overseas or out-of-state participants? Well, that's exactly what we'll be getting into today with my guest, George Kakuridis, Marketing Director for the Logicum Cyprus Marathon. As you'll hear, George has worked really hard on growing international participation for the Logicum Cyprus Marathon since 2014 with some really amazing results. And he has tons of tips to share on marketing your race internationally and reaching new audiences through social media, micro-influencers, specialist publications, race expos, and a whole lot of other channels. So, get your notepads out and get ready to take notes. By the way, we're going to be using the term international today quite a bit, but the lessons we're going to learn here today apply equally to a race that aspires to attract participants from a different country, as well as, say, a US-based race that wants to attract participants from nearby states. Everything we'll touch on today basically falls under the category of marketing to participants that will have to travel to your event. So pretty much anyone besides your local crowd. Before we go into all that though, a quick shout out to our podcast sponsor, Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up, the leading all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events. More than 22,000 in-person, virtual and hybrid events use Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up's free and integrated solution to save time grow their events and raise more. Give Sign Up Run Sign Up, of course, have one of the best integrated marketing suites in the industry, and we'll be hearing a bit later in the episode about Give Sign Up Run Sign Up's Race Insights Analytics and how it can help you track and quantify all your marketing campaigns, both online and offline, from a single dashboard. Okay, now let's get into this amazing episode. George. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Panos. Uh, thank you for inviting me and uh, nice to see you. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. For people who uh, are listening in, can you tell us where you're based? I'm actually based in Nicosia, Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea. Yes, I think most people would know that. And you are the marketing director for the Logicum Cyprus Marathon, which we're going to be talking uh, quite a bit about today. Is the event um, happening this year in person? Uh, actually, yes, it was uh, organized to be happened in uh, March 2021, but unfortunately it was postponed and it's uh, being organized on the 5th of December, in actually a few days in, uh, in Paphos. And again, uh, we're going back to normal, hopefully, on the 13th of March on uh, 2022. Ah, so you're going to have uh, those two races so close to each other. So you're going to do one in December now, and then in a few months in March, you're going to go back to the regular month date. Uh, yes, hopefully COVID will let us organize the, the second one, yes. And it's uh, a bit uh, hectic because of too many organizational uh, matters of organizing a marathon so close to, to each other, the two editions. But we have to honor our uh, decision and uh, postpone the race and give the, the participants their entries as, as they were registered in 2021. Perfect. How are registrations for this year, for December? We have a maximum capacity due to the COVID measures and we'll hit it easily in the next few days and we'll close registrations. 
but we are focusing on our efforts in uh, 2022 because we want to go back to normal and uh, keep the growing the, the marathon as we have done in the past. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the history of the Logicum Cyprus Marathon. Today we're going to be talking quite a lot about uh, international marketing. Uh, I chose this race and I chose to speak to you because I know you've done some amazing things here that we're going to go over. The Logicom Cyprus Marathon, if I'm correct, has grown quite a lot since you took over as marketing director and has grown a lot internationally since your time. So can you tell us a little bit about the event, sort of the history, when you came on board, where you picked the event up and where you're currently at in terms of numbers and progress and growth? Yes, uh, I was actually involved in the marathon since 1999 when it started. And it was started by my father, actually. So I've seen what goes on behind the scenes since a young age. I was just nine when it started. And after I finished my studies in uh, sports management in London in 2012, uh, I started taking the event organization more seriously. And since then, I was more focused on the business development side of things. Uh, but we settled with my father as an official role in marketing and partnership director. Uh, the, the event, as mentioned, was uh, started in uh, 1999, and it was the first international marathon event in Cyprus. Uh, let's take a step back uh, before that to 1987 when my father organized the first charity marathon in Cyprus, raising 2,700 Cyprus pounds for uh, patients with uh, thalassemia back then. And uh, he continued his uh, pioneering, let's say, ventures in running, as he also founded the, the first running club in Cyprus in 1988, where he also served as a president for six years. Uh, so let's just say that uh, he set up some pretty solid foundations for later success with the marathon. And uh, since 1999, the year it started, used to host around 400 to 700 runners yearly, as this was not the main job of my father. He couldn't take this to the next level, and that's uh, until I, I got in. The most recent number that would be a normal year number would be kind of like 2019, I guess, was the last in-person race. So how much has the marathon uh, grown since you took it up at like, you know, a few hundred people? My role, let's say, started officially in 2014. Uh, that year we only had 440 participants. And I knew that it was, it was not enough. So with uh, some increased efforts and uh, some funding for uh, sponsorships, we had to fight for because nobody knew us back then. Uh, we had an increase, 75% increase in the first two years, 2015 and 2016. Uh, actually, in 2016, we had uh, 1,378 participants and another 40% increase in 2017 and up to 2,000 participants, and then another 50% increase in 2018, 2,880 participants, and another 25% increase in 2019 uh, to 3,590 participants. In 2020, we were on track to do more than 4,000 participants, but a few days before the event, the government of Cyprus decided to shut down everything 
as everybody knows, and uh, we cancelled the, the event. And um, as you know, now we have to fight with the health protocols, and that's why we have a maximum capacity. Hopefully in March, this will not be the case, and we get back on track. Great. So basically, you sort of took the race in 2014 with like, you know, 400-odd people, and you, you know, if things were normal in 2021, it would have grown 10 times to yes. like 4,000, which is quite remarkable. And it's quite, and it's remarkable, and I think we want to focus on it today because, you know, putting on a marathon in Cyprus and getting participants up to that level of numbers is not a very easy thing because, like, you know, it's Cyprus is a small place for people who don't know it. I mean, you know, the running community is growing, but it's not growing as fast as the marathon had. So you need to turn to the international market for your participants, right? Which is sort of what you did. And and you grew the international side of the marathon, I guess, quite a lot. Uh, you are absolutely right about the target market of uh, runners in Cyprus, which is quite small, to be honest. Uh, we are an island of 700,000 people, so, you know, it's not a lot of runners uh, here. But uh, that's why we, we started looking to expand our num- uh, numbers with runners outside of Cyprus. Uh, the percentage of uh, international participants is around 50% every year, which is quite high compared to other international races. 25% of the total run- runners are coming from the UK, which is also exceptional for us since they have a, you know, their running culture ingrained in, in themselves and are very supportive of one another. And they're very good in the word of mouth marketing, to be honest. Since next year they bring their running club buddies and they get bigger and bigger. Other countries which are also represented quite well are Germany, Poland, Hungary, Russia, and Israel, which are markets that we are actually targeting very heavily. So I guess it's the same mix of people that take their vacation in Cyprus, I guess, right? In Paphos. We should, we should say that the marathon is, is set in Paphos, right? Yes, uh, the marathon is set in Paphos. Uh, it's the smaller, smallest city of Cyprus, to be honest, Paphos. But it's a cosmopolitan resort and has a lot of hotels, restaurants, um, clubs. And it's a very attractive destination for uh, foreign uh, people to come here for holidays, especially during the, the summertime. So in a way, it makes a lot of sense for that marathon to be outward looking and to be looking towards attracting more international participants. When you first decided that you're going to have a go at at making at growing the international base of the event, how did you think of positioning the marathon to the international markets that you were interested in, in terms of how would you sell it? How did you think you would be able to sell it to attract more people to Cyprus? The city needs to have the the infrastructure to be able to attract high numbers of international participants. For example, having a local airport with lots of direct flights to, to major cities it uh, was probably the most important thing for the international participants. But the, the main the main tagline was uh, join us for winter sun, run and have fun. 
So as you can see, we wanted to be an attractive tourist des destination that you can combine it with a bit of sun. And it makes it uh, ideal for a quick getaway to enjoy your favorite hobby. That was our uh, main focus on, on promoting the marathon. Uh, so, so basically you're saying also on your point on infrastructure that maybe not all races can aspire necessarily to be very attractive internationally. You, you need to have some basic stuff lined up to be able to deliver that, right? I, it just can't happen for every race. Exactly that. I mean, if you're organizing a, an event in an area with just a few Airbnbs and no hotels uh, uh, at all, then that's a major difficulty in attracting interna international participants. The city needs to be able to offer you the platform to attract uh, these uh, numbers for, for participants. For example, New York. Why do we? Uh, everybody goes to the New York New York Marathon. They have direct flights to so many places, and they have so many um, uh, hosting places that people runners can actually stay in the city and run the marathon. And in terms of the hotel capacity, I sort of I think I know the answer to this one because you know I I, I tried a, a very similar angle with a race we put on in Crete in 2016 you definitely don't want to be clashing with peak season, right? You don't want to be putting it in like, you know, in the most popular months. Yes, and that's why we are usually organizing the marathon beginning of March. It was actually the first or second Sunday of March. And this is a, a way to start your, uh, your uh, season, the marathon season. Because, for example, if you are running a marathon in May, you will, you will uh, for sure want to, to test yourself, your pace, by doing a half marathon abroad and, 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 and trying the various, the various um, uh, locations and, uh, and conditions that you might meet in an international event. That's the, the main reason we, we are actually one of the first marathons of the spring season. Right. And, and in terms of the, of the target markets that, that you looked to uh, focus on when you decided to go international? I guess you were saying flight connections are important, right? I mean, you, you want to market into a race where people can actually travel to the race. But of the many choices that you had, I guess UK with the Cyprus connection is an obvious one. Poland, Hungary, Israel, how, do, how, does those, how did those countries uh, become choices for you to market the race to? As a runner myself, the convenience factor is very important. Of going because I don't want to to walk a lot. I want to be rested, well rested before the race. So I uh, we went to the Paphos Airport website. We have had a look at when uh, from which countries are lots of flights arriving for from on Friday, and with which countries uh, flights are departing on Monday. So we combined these uh, statistics, let's say, and uh, saw that uh, countries like Israel, Hungary, and Poland have direct flights with Ryanair, a cheap flight as well, uh, for, on Friday and on Monday. So that was the main reason we chose those, well, those countries to go and target them. And there were existing flights in early March from those countries already? Yes, yes. Actually, you will be surprised how many flights there are in Paphos. I think 
the government of Cyprus uh, subsidized uh, Ryanair to have direct flights to to Paphos. That's an interesting point. And actually, it's, it's a good segue to my next question, which is when people will be listening to this and hopefully they'll take a few tips on trying to build a marketing campaign for the race internationally. And I should say for our US listeners that, you know, I mean, we're talking internationally because Cyprus and Israel, you know, they're just two small countries next to each other. A lot of the lessons that hopefully we'll share today would be relevant if you're in one state in the US and you want to attract people from like, you know, two states over. You know, that's the equivalent of international, I guess, for very large countries like the US. And, you know, lots of people will will want to take away some tips from today and, and put that into action. But many people may not have the kind of support that you guys had domestically from the Cyprus government, sort of, you know, who's, who's quite versed to the argument of attracting people and tourism and using these events as a stage. So did you receive a good amount of support from, from Cyprus and Cyprus agencies when you were trying to market the race? Uh, internationally? Yes, uh, of course. Cyprus as an economy is uh, feeding off of tourism. Just to put things in perspective, almost 25% of the total GDP of Cyprus is based on tourism. So this is why various tourism organizations in Cyprus are offering uh, subsidies and sponsorships to help promote Cyprus as a tourist destination. Uh, the most support comes from the Deputy Ministry of Tourism and its uh, regional boards, such as the Paphos Regional Board of Tourism. They provide financial and networking support in promoting the marathon to other countries. Specifically, the Deputy Ministry of Tourism has offices in various other countries, uh, working like an embassy. And they can bring us in contact with local travel agencies and running clubs which also saves us a, a lot of time looking for leads. So you actually went to that office in Cyprus and they actually gave you contact details of travel agencies abroad to get in touch with? Yes, yes, we did. And uh, we actually visited uh, Poland and, uh, and Israel and Hungary and uh, we the people from the offices of the Deputy Ministry of Tourism there uh, arranged for us some meetings with various stakeholders, with uh, running clubs, with travel agencies. We made a lot of lots of contact with them. And uh, when we came back, we sent them lots of information, tailor-made packages, better group discounts, so that we can uh, attract uh, more people from other countries. Yeah, well, you're very lucky to have uh, such great support locally. So I guess you didn't have to sell it to the local authorities too hard. They immediately understood the potential of basically making the race more attractive internationally. Yeah, as the the Logicom Cyprus Marathon is, I believe, the biggest event in Cyprus that attracts the most international number of people to to Cyprus for a specific event. And this is this is a very big uh, for us because as you know marathons are uh, very big events in participation numbers. And uh, that's why there is not another event like a music concert or a, a football match that can attract this number of international participants. 
And in terms of the support you guys had also from local businesses, were local businesses equally enthusiastic about supporting the effort? And, you know, I'm thinking of hotels and other tourist industries. Did you immediately get like a good buy-in from them? Uh, the fact that the city in itself is a cosmopolitan uh, and is focused on tourism helps a lot with the international visitors. Uh, the Paphos Regional Board of Tourism cooperation with the local people and hotels also support us in informing the international visitors who are currently in Paphos or are, are going to arrive in Paphos during the marathon weekend so that they, they can support the runners and create an enthusiastic atmosphere. Uh, in regards to the hotels assisting us in promoting the race internationally, it is something that we have not explored yet since hotels are more focused on the general public rather than just the runners. But we do have lots of uh, cooperation with them in, uh, in accommodating our runners. So you don't share, for instance, promotion materials or brochures or leaflets of the marathon with the hotels? You know, let's say so that someone, let's say, you know, the marathon is in March, someone visits in October the previous year they won't be able to see anything from the marathon, you know, just in case they're a, they're a runner or they want to come back to run the race? That would be a good idea, actually. Uh, maybe we, uh, we can implement it from next year and uh, you can charge us for a consulting fee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it, I, I think it's, it's, as you say, it's the people who come in and stay in a hotel in the area, they are generalists, for sure. I guess some of these hotels may have some some sports activities that they offer and you know it's it's a it's a it's not it's not totally crazy to think that maybe some of these guys may want to come back and and run the race. Did you work with the hotels uh, during the stay uh, for the athletes to 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 produce any special packages or anything that you can then market to your international participants or people registering up? The big interest from international runners has motivated us to jump into the waters of hospitality, a very big industry. And uh, since 2018, uh, after receiving our license from the Deputy Ministry of Tourism as an official travel agency, we went ahead and uh, contacted uh, local hotels in order to create hospitality packages that would include airport transfers, accommodation, and even race entry. In this way, we, we can offer a 360 service and support for the runners from the moment they step their foot in Cyprus. The hospitality part is not, though, our main focus of work. And because we focus uh, most of our efforts in the marathon itself, it is a very convenient way for international runners to, to, to book their accommodation without having to worry about special requests such as early breakfasts on the day of the marathon, transfers to the start line, and other small details that a runner should not worry about during the marathon weekend. And obviously, when you put those packages together, you also hope to get some kind of kickback or some kind of revenue share with the hotel, right? With with a few uh, hotels that you partner with. Yes, that's a, that's the main target. Uh, we actually have a, a part-time person who is handling all these requests, the communication with the, the hotels, the bookings, with the customers. And we're trying to become profitable in that section of our business it still has a long way to go because 
now with the Airbnbs and the Booking.coms, etc., is people uh, try to do it themselves. You know, they they think that they can find a, a cheaper uh, deal, or but we are actually offering the cheapest prices on the market, just to to give. We are not doing this to be profitable. We are doing this to be hospitable and helpful to to the runner himself because we want him to have a great experience. Because even when he goes to the restaurant and uh, he the, the food is not up to standard, this will affect his whole experience in Paphos and the race itself. Whereas if he finds everything uh, as good as it, it should be, then he will go back and uh, refer it to everyone. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the, the point with those packages, and we had the same thing when we did our race in Crete in 2016, is A, as you say that you know you offer something that is standardized that you know takes care of those things that marathoners would need early breakfast and all of that stuff transportation obviously and the other thing yeah when i was when i was mentioning kickbacks back there i don't i didn't necessarily mean you know like hard cash but when we worked with hotels back for back in our race you know they gave us uh, free rooms for instance right that we could offer to people you know, we had some VIPs or some journalists traveling from abroad, so we offered them the rooms, or they gave us a conference room to do the race briefing or do, you know, like packet pickup, all of that stuff, right? It's not just about the cash. Yes, and uh, this occurs in, in our marathon as well, in our partnerships with the hotels as well. Uh, some of them, uh, as you mentioned, offer free uh, rooms, and we give them to volunteers that are coming from another city or other partners, such as photographers, videographers, etc., even uh, reporters, as you mentioned, that we have some, or even influencers, ambassadors, that we, we do. And uh, the conference as well, we were supposed to have the, the biggest marathon expo ever that happened in Cyprus in 2020. We had a very big room that was given for free because we arranged lots of accommodation at that hotel. And uh, hopefully, when things come back to normal, we'll be able to uh, achieve our goals and uh, and do this again. Speaking of uh, ambassadors and journalists, tell us a little bit more about your strategy internationally in targeting those journalists and those influencers and ambassadors, and who were the right type that you went after, and why, and in which countries. We have been uh, working with some runners who have some influence in uh, social media. Uh, but the most important factor for us is that they have to love the race. We don't see how many followers they have, how many likes they get. We, we just If we see them that they are sharing their experience of social media with passion and excitement, then we approach them and discuss a way of partnering up. Uh, that might be that they create a review video or we send them a promo code which they can share with their group and we assist them in general to promote the event in their own sphere of influence. Because if one person can bring you 10 people, that's a bonus, that's a benefit. We don't, we don't go after the big whale that will bring 100 people. We want small micro-influencers that actually love the event and can speak authentically about the, the event. In our industry, uh, uh, the most trust, though, in, in having an objective view of the race 
is coming by reporters and editors, uh, inviting reporters of major running magazines to experience the race and write about it has also been uh, extremely helpful. Uh, this gives us more credibility as an event, and it also helps satisfy sponsors as it provides exposure in media other than social media, like in magazines. Uh, for the countries, we are focusing again on the four or five countries that uh, we said earlier, uh, the most important one being the UK, that's where we're having a lot of uh, reporters and influencers coming from. Uh, for example, one influencer is uh, a running coach. Has her team, she, she's supporting her team, and we give her a promo code, we give her a free entry, we make her the cover girl, let's say, of some of our promotions. Another runner that's a big influencer, again from the UK, is Adam Holland. He he won the marathon two times in a row, and he's coming again to complete the, the hat trick. So this is a, a very good uh, promotion uh, as well. Another one is, is from Hungary. He's a running coach as well, who also organizes marathon traveling tours. We also have a good partnership with him. So you need to mix and match, find good runners, mediocre runners, running coaches, travel agents. And the most important thing, again, is for them to love your, your race. This will give them excitement, will give them enthusiasm to speak about your event. Yeah, it's like any race ambassadors program. We had a podcast on this very recently. Yeah, number one thing is people need to love your race. Uh, they cannot be effective if they don't if they don't love the race. I guess the one difference with a you know with running a regular race ambassador program might be that in a regular race ambassador program people come to you. But I guess in your case, you went out and recruited and found those people yourselves, which couldn't have been very easy. Exactly. Uh, I'm very active on social media, uh, especially on Instagram, and I'm looking all the time for the for the marathon, for the for the event as a whole, and in, in running as well in, as an industry. And uh, that's why I'm looking. I'm looking to find opportunities. And uh, actually, if you don't knock a door, it will not open. So uh, I tried by looking on Instagram and see who is sharing, who is talking about the event, and uh, how much influence they have on on their social sphere, uh, and I approached approached them myself. Uh, we tried to do a couple of stunts, let's say, with very big influencers. We brought them to Cyprus. They ran the event. They we hosted them, gave them the free, free accommodation and everything. But they don't come again. It's just uh, like a lightning. Just happens three seconds. Just happen once. Whereas our other ambassadors. They're coming back every year. I mean, I ha we have people like six, seven years continuous. Every year they're they are here with their group, with their friends. And uh, this is the most important thing. You know, you need people that actually love the event as a whole. Yeah. You mentioned there, I guess, that you pick those people from runners who have already run the event. And, you, and, and then you realize that, you know, these people also have lots of influence in their respective countries and you reach out to them and you say hey you love our race why don't you help us reach out and we'll give you some some promo codes and and you help us basically bring a few more people to the race to experience it 
yes, that's how it went. And uh, we're trying to build a, an ambassador program. I mean, it, it's it's difficult because it's difficult to measure and see the ROI. Uh, we also did with those ambassadors a Facebook focus group uh, where uh, we have a close private group, 10, 15 people. And whatever idea I have in, in developing an area of the marathon, for example, the, the, um, the logo design, the, the T-shirt design, a, a new goodie bag, a new item to be added in the goodie bag, a change of the course, something to add at the fluid station, like uh, Coke or, uh, you know. And so these main things are being asked to them and they help with their feedback. And I think this is also important because they do it out of love. They don't do it for money. They don't do it for, they do it because they enjoy the race and they, they come there every year and they want it to grow. They want it to become better. And in terms of the journalists that you managed to bring out to the race, I guess many people would think, you know, we had we had some journalists um, in our in our crit race as well, and I was surprised, even even big name. I mean, you know, for our race, we had Runners World out, we had Ultra Magazine. I mean, it was a hundred miler, so we had like all the big magazines that I wanted to target. For instance, all the specialist press, they were all very happy to come out because. They love the content, right? I mean, that's that's what they're there for. And they didn't ask for, you know, like, you know, I, I thought they would ask for like, you know, massive cash payments and stuff like that, but they don't. Was that, was that the same in your case as well, that they were really approachable and easy to bring out to the event? Yes, they were. And I was surprised as well, to be honest. Uh, we had also women's running. We had run, Runners World. We had uh, Runners World Germany as well. Uh, we had a few good names as well. And they didn't ask for money as well. They just wanted to experience and show it, showcase it to the people. And this is the most important thing because media is, 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 is a bit judged uh, lately as not being truthful or, or having various different other uh, ideas or uh, they're not telling the truth. But uh, in the runner's uh, industry, I noticed that Everybody is truthful. There's something like a unique between the runners. And those uh, editors, those reporters actually wrote exactly how they felt about the race. And I didn't, I, I didn't try even to, to change their opinion or discuss what they're going to write. I let it to themselves. I let them experience. And if our event was good enough, I was ready to accept a very good article. If our race was not good enough, yes, it was a risk, and I was ready to accept uh, the consequences. But uh, all the reporters had a great time. The results uh, of their articles were, were amazing. Whether you're marketing your race locally or working to push your brand out to new countries and states, you're going to need a good way to track and measure results. Why? Well, because really at the end of it, all marketing boils down to money in versus money out. So understanding what bits of your marketing work and what bits don't is absolutely crucial to making the right decisions on where to spend your money. That's another area Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up's integrated technology suite for ACES can help your event. 
with give sign up, run sign ups, race insights, you can easily track every page view, every registration, every donation through a single race dashboard, attributing every result to specific marketing campaigns. This is particularly important if you're combining online marketing on platforms like Facebook and Google with offline marketing in places like race expos or retail stores, results from which are sometimes a little bit harder to track. And with Give Signup, Run Signups, Race Insights, Hit Maps, you can also easily visualize where your participants are traveling to your event from and use that data to target Facebook ads and social media campaigns to registration hotspots. Isn't that neat? So to learn more about Race Insights, head over to runsignup.com forward slash race insights. That's runsignup.com forward slash race insights and see how data-driven marketing can take your revenue growth to the next level. Okay. Now, let's rejoin the interview with Logicom Cyprus Marathon Marketing Director, George Kakuridis. You mentioned earlier ROI, which in the context of race ambassadors, which is very important, I guess, for any marketing strategy that uh, an event decides to deploy. Do you have a sense on those initiatives paying, I guess, accommodation or equivalent to host the influencers or the journalists? What kind of ROI you were getting out of that? What we want, how we started improving the numbers in uh, Poland, Hungary, Germany, Israel, etc., was actually bringing 10, 20, 30 runners, trying to have a running club coming to, to Cyprus. Uh, when that running club came to Cyprus, the next year, if the numbers went up uh, tenfold, for example, 20 runners come from Israel. Okay, they are a big running club that we help them with group discounts, with special accommodation, etc., etc., and other incentives. Uh, if the next year from Israel we have 100 runners, then that's the only way I think you can measure your return on investment. Uh, there's not a, a good way, other way to actually measure your return on investment. So I suggest. To try this, find a target market, for example, another state, another uh, country, visit it, make a, a couple of partnerships, manage to bring back 10, 20, 30 people. If they enjoy the, the event, then you will experience a ripple effect. And every year, the word of mouth will, will increase that number. But in order to reinforce the interest from the people of those countries, uh, you have to uh, have a lot of touch points between you and the potential runners. For example, if you are visiting a country with another language, for example, we visited Poland. All we did, we found we, we had our marathon landing page translated uh, in, into their language, okay, to Polish. And we also did a, a few Google ads, Facebook ads directed to that city and then that's how you you see next year if you had 20 polish people in the in 2019 and the next year we had 100 registrations that's how you can measure the roi that's interesting because when we did ads for uh, poland actually was a really uh, strong country when we had our race in crete as well and israel as well i mean there's there's quite a few countries actually now that you mentioned i don't know why but 
probably because of the holidaying angle. You know, they like coming to Crete as well. And Crete, I think, is quite similar to Cyprus in some regards. Yes. So, but the interesting point is, I never thought of running Google Ads in Polish, which which you did. Do, do you think that made a big difference to actually even run the ads and the landing pages in the native language of the country that you want to target? Uh, I think that was uh, one of our very important steps in uh, in attracting uh, so many Polish people. Why? Because uh, as again, we go back to the the matter of convenience. I'm a runner. I'm on my on my sofa. I just saw uh, a photo of my friend uh, running in in Cyprus in the Paphos Marathon. <laughs> then I will go and check. Uh, were a bit jealous as well as runners. That's why, I mean, having someone, looking at someone with a metal, they just had a great experience, the endorphins running around our brain. We want to see what happened, where is this? Uh, so if I go and search the Logicom Cyprus Marathon on my on Google, then uh, I, I have, as an organizer, as a website owner, I have a, a, a something on the website that tracks that someone from Poland uh, went into our website, and then I can retarget uh, that person uh, with a native banner saying uh, something in their language. Come and enjoy Paphos, thirteenth uh, of March, two thousand twenty-two, uh, in their language. And when they click it, they go and see the most important information of the marathon in their language. So I have a hot lead which I'm trying to get hotter. I mean, a hot lead means having someone who is very interested. And if I have it in, in a language that they don't understand, I will, I will lose him. But if I, if I increase his interest by a lot, because I gave him all the information he needs in, in, uh, in his own language, then he can easily complete a registration form in English. So that's the only touch point that is in another language that is not a native. And that's why we actually did like a marketing funnel to bring them up to the registration point. And that's uh, dependent on various aspects that we cannot control afterwards. And I guess the bonus side of having all of those different uh, language landing pages is that you can also then track the statistics explicitly of what landing pages in what uh, language are being accessed. Because if you brought everyone to the to the English landing page, you wouldn't know whether they would... I mean, you could check at the country, but, you know, it, it's much better to have the different landing pages and they tell you that, you know, there's that many visitors who went through the, the page in Polish or in Hungarian and all of that, right? Yes, you are absolutely right. The, the critical point is to be able to measure it, to see that... Polish, this campaign that is towards the Polish people is working and bringing registrations. And how we did this, the buttons that are named register in the landing page that is in Polish, which is also the register is, is in Polish, the word. When you click it and takes you to the, the registration platform, I track how many clicks that button had and how many registrations were completed following that button. So then I go back to, to analytics. I check 1,000 people visited the Polish uh, landing page. 100 people clicked on the registration button. And 10 people 
completed the registration uh, uh, when they click the registration button. So I can track and see how much did I spend on the Polish campaign, not just the Google ads, but also how many, how much money I spent in accommodating influencers from Poland, how much money I spent in airplane tickets for me to visit Poland. And then you, you do a total calculation separated from the total marketing budget, and you can see. So my expenses were 1,500 euros, for example, but I got 100 registrations. 100 registrations translates to 6,000 euros. So I can say that I profited that much from the Polish uh, campaign. And you can then see it from next year. Right. So is it fair to say, you keep mentioning Google ads and stuff, you used paid media quite a lot of, for, uh, for, for growing your numbers internationally? Was, was that a big part of what you did, of the success story? Our online uh, marketing channels uh, are changing. Uh, as times are changing, so the preferences of, of people in platforms. And because our target market is mostly 50-plus-year-olds who have a decent income and can pay for an international weekend getaway, we are uh, still focusing uh, much of our efforts on Facebook and mostly in paid ads. Because as you know, Facebook doesn't have any organic reach at all <laughs> lately. Not anymore. And we com- Yes, unfortunately. And we combine it with also Google Ads. Facebook Ads and Google Ads are our go-to uh, markets. I mean, we spend around 80% of our uh, marketing budget on these two channels. But we are also very engaged in Instagram. We don't do any paid things on Instagram, but we are very engaged in hashtags, and following and liking, etc., as well as in email marketing. But that's uh, mostly for engaging with the uh, previous participants rather than attracting new ones. And uh, lately, uh, we're actually ex- exploring the Stra- Strava clubs. Uh, but I believe it is not developed as a marketing channel to be able to offer analytics or targeting, but it does have the ideal audience. So please, the founder of Strava, if you are listening, please improve your uh, marketing capabilities and you will have lots and lots of income from uh, marathons around the world. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to um, a couple of other people on the podcast and they keep mentioning Strava, that it's, it's like, it almost looks like it could be the next big thing. So I had a guest uh, from Big Run Media, a guy very, very well-versed in marketing, who was saying that basically what Facebook used to be for reach back in the day when organic reach on Facebook was significant is what Strava Clubs is today because there's no filtering on the feed and stuff. But as you say, the features, they're not quite there. I mean, you can sort of have some kind of communication and reach within your Strava Club membership but you can't do a whole lot of things, right? Yes, that's very unfortunate. I mean, we try to post a few images, etc., on our Strava club. They do get engagement, I would say, somewhere around 10 to 20% of the total members that we have in our club. They like the post. So, I mean, that's quite high compared to the 0. something percent of uh, Facebook. 
I'm not sure why they are not exploring, developing their marketing uh, capabilities, the Strava. And I'm sure that uh, there are lots of other, I'm following lots of other brands that are trying to do like club events with a weekly running events, trying to do some giveaways through their Strava club to keep them engaged. And I believe because that's where all our target market is, this should be the next uh, big thing for uh, promoting not just marathon and races, but running brands as well, like Nike, Adidas, Socony, etc. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you can keep on building the Strava audience and the features will come, I guess, is the hope. In terms of Facebook paid stuff and Google ads, do you use them in a similar way? Do you use one more for retargeting people and one for more like top of funnel, new people coming into the race? How, how, do, how do you use those tools separately? Google Ads is mostly for attracting new people. Uh, that's what we do. We, we try to attract them to our website by doing uh, lots of display campaigns and some uh, paid keywords that we want to, to, be, to be first on. Whereas Facebook is mostly for um, branding and um, improving our leads. If you like our page, then that means that you have a small interest, at least, in participating in the marathon. So whenever we post a photo, let's say we post a photo 30 days to go, or prices going up this Sunday, or... um, why run when you can fly and put a finishing uh, person uh, doing a flying uh, thing? So when we do this, we actually trying to do the retargeting of the people who visited our website. Whereas on Google Ads, we try to attract new people to visit our website. On Facebook, it's mostly for people who already had a, a touch point with our website or a banner or whatever with our marathon. So that's how we did, we split the two. And in terms of um, the targeting that you do, the the way you build the audience that you target those ads to, or the keywords that you target, when you try to reach out to an international audience that you want to get to travel to Cyprus to register for the marathon, what kinds of audiences and keywords do you target? What, what are like good groups that have yielded results for you? On Google Ads, it's mostly running enthusiasts. I mean, you can find it on, on Google Ads, but combine it with frequent international travelers. I mean, running enthusiasts might, might be a billion, not a billion, but lots of millions. Whereas if you combine it with frequent, narrow down your audience with frequent international travelers, that means that you will find people who enjoy running and are also traveling quite a lot. I mean, two, three times per year. That's the person, that's the people you want. Uh, on Facebook, similar. They, we, we target, uh, if, we, if we're going to do a, a, brand, a, a campaign to attract new runners, they will find people who like uh, marathons, like they like the Virgin London Marathon, they like the New York Marathon, they like the Berlin Marathon, and narrow down the, the, the audience by choosing international, frequent international travelers, but also make sure that 
if you are using the example with the with the airports and uh, see that from Poland, not all cities have an airport and direct access to the airport that we are targeting. Someone is in Poland, he's an international frequent traveler, he's a, a, an avid runner, but he lives four hours away from the airport that we want to target. So choose a radius that is close to the city or the airport that they're also targeting. Oh, that's really interesting. So you go down to that level of detail. So you're saying, you know, show my ads in Poland to people who are both runners and have liked some races because also runners isn't particularly targeted, right? I mean, lots of people are recreational runners, but not many people race. So you say, okay, show my ads to people who race and also people who like to travel, but you're also adding another step, which is make sure these people are close to airports where they can be more likely to catch a flight to the airports that actually have flights inbound to the destination race. Exactly. You follow a logical path of who is more likely to attend your event. And that goes back to the convenience part that nobody is going to take a four-hour drive to the airport to catch a five-hour flight to, to, to Bavos to run a half marathon, for example. This can be done by someone running the New York Marathon because it's a lifetime opportunity. But races like Cyprus and Crete and Malta and Mallorca and uh, etc. It's, it's, it's a lot of uh, things that, and you need to be the most convenient one to be able to attract uh, that, uh, that runner. And on Instagram, what are you guys doing? You said it's mostly organic, but how are you trying to build that international reach through Instagram? What, what kinds of things do you post in terms of all the content that you could post also throughout the year? Because events struggle quite a lot to find stuff to post completely off-season, how do you build a publishing schedule with the right type of content that would attract international audiences? So uh, it's a two-part question. Actually, the most important thing about Instagram is their stories. So what we do, and we suggest it to kind of to, to our followers to do, is whenever they train or they, whenever they wear our uh, previous year's T-shirt, to take a story, take a photo, put it on the story, and tag us. When they tag us, we mention them on our... So the other followers also see, ah, this guy ran, he wore the T-shirt that we ha- I have also for, from last year. Let me wear it on my next run, and I will also take a photo and post it. But whenever this is happening, our followers uh, watch the repost of the story, but also the person who posted the story their followers are having a look at the Cyprus Marathon. So most of their followers are also runners because most of their friends are also runners. So it's kind of a free advertising, this one. So I suggest that you find a, a way to promote the Instagram stories and tagging uh, the, the account uh, from your followers. For example, what you can do is actually do a contest Say, tag us in our story, in your story, and uh, whichever gets the most views will give them a free entry. This way, you initiate a, a habit of people posting more stories uh, and tagging you as well. 
The second part of your question in regards to what uh, content should be added and how is the schedule going to be. I mean, you need to find a few uh, international days. For example, International Day of Volunteering. Uh, you can say thank you to our volunteers, do a big photo, post it on social media. Uh, and then uh, you can do things like uh, thanking the sponsors or, uh, or offering now with a virtual way. I think we had a lot of uh, engagement for our virtual edition with it as well. So it's a good way. Maybe you can do something like a virtual, maybe uh, run 5K this Sunday and uh, get in the draw to get a free entry or a new T-shirt or we send a medal. Uh, that's a good way to create user-generated uh, content. Another content is having uh, 100 days to go, 50 days to go, 30 days to go, 300 days to go. So it's, it's a good uh, way to, to keep the content pumping or having an interview with, uh, with a previous participant uh, or who is coming back for the fifth year, or the tenth year, or someone who wants to run for uh, Alzheimer's disease and you want to support their course, to showcase their, their course, they can get more donations as well, uh, or promote the, the medal, the medal or the T-shirt, the, 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 the benefits that the, the people will also get. So that's a few ideas. I mean, people can visit uh, our Instagram at Cyprus Marathon and they can have a, a good uh, view of, of what to to post I think, on, uh, on their social media as well. Yeah, I've I've seen the trick actually before. It's good that you uh, reminded me because it's it's not an obvious one of using those international dates stuff as an opportunity to post about things because you get international dates about anything pretty much. And you know, I've seen I've seen races, you know, they would make a post out of, you know, International Donut Day or whatever. And they would say, you know, who ran today? You know, like who has earned their donut or whatever, right? I mean, if if you if you want to be creative about these things, you could be posting something meaningful and engaging every day. I mean, there's there's so much stuff to talk about. Yes, there is. I mean, even another idea would be International Dog Day, and you put a, a, a finisher, a photo of a finisher running with a dog, or uh, have you run with your dog today? These kind of things can make you relevant, keep your audience engaged. You know, I mean, when you are running for a marathon and you are doing a four-month uh, four training plan, you need to be engaged. You need to see that, uh, listen, my, my objective is to run the Cyprus Marathon. It's in four months. But every other day, they have a post. They keep reminding of my, of my objective. I am focused, you know. And you, they, they, they are very engaged, the marathon runners, especially because running a marathon is a lifetime experience. It's not uh, like running a 5K that I woke up on Friday and I would run it, uh, I registered and I would, I would uh, run on Sunday. So you need to keep those people engaged with your brand. And that's a lot of ideas to do some content. Yeah, and the stories, we also use that quite a lot in our event, the stories of international runners. The stories you get out of and the content you get out of your participants, they are gold. And I think you need to also make a habit of getting that information, maybe on registration or something from participants, like, you know, like you would ask, like, 
why did you register or, you know, like trying, trying to get that data from them so you can then, you know, create content around people's stories. People respond to that quite a lot. You brought up a very good subject with, all, for example, on your registration form. We have been having in the past few years a question, how did you hear about us? And this question can help you promote the event in various ways. For example, at the beginning, we had lots of percentage of lots of runners saying that they heard about us from another event, uh, another marathon expo, etc. But now that rating went maybe to 3-4%. So next year, I will not focus on that. I will focus on, on social media that has 30%. Or I will focus on on email marketing that has 20%, or Google, or running calendars that has another 20%. So you need to ask questions to your participants while registering, not just uh, what will you, what's the expected finish time. Maybe ask them, what is your uh, running shoe that you are wearing uh, during the race? Are you combined with any other sports? Do you have a Garmin or a Strava or uh, something else? So you can see. Uh, maybe you can attract sponsorships from that and go to Garmin and say, listen, 80% of uh, my participants have a Garmin. You should be on our event and have a stall. It's good to have the more information, the better. You mentioned um, race expos, and I know that these are quite important, maybe perhaps initially more important in promoting races internationally. What kind of work did you do with race expos, traveling to other countries, other races, to promote the Cyprus Marathon? We actually visited uh, two, three different countries. Uh, we only attended one Marathon Expo in Poland. And to be honest, the runner is not very focused on having uh, another event in their mind before running the mara- their, their uh, marathon. You know? the, the most important uh, thing is they are thinking about other events as soon as they cross the finish line. And that is where you need to focus your attention. I mean, I'm going to the marathon on Saturday to pick up my goodie bag. My my mind is on which pasta I'm going to eat tonight. What is my pace tomorrow? Do they have a pacer at my pace? And this kind of, of things. So that's where you need to focus your attention. And what I would suggest is forging uh, partnerships with other events, maybe do something like a league, like of four or five different races, a couple of months between each other, and offering incentives in completing all of them and uh, having cross promotions between them. I mean, for example, Cyprus Marathon, Crete Marathon, uh, Marta Marathon, Mallorca Marathon, all these marathons are based in the Mediterranean Sea. They, they offer sun, they offer run, they offer fun, they offer fun. So what if all these marathons make it a Mediterranean challenge and offer a, a race entry to all of them in the next three, four years, better pricing and cross promotion. For example, when my event finishes and I know that my partner's event is in two months, I can send a newsletter to my participant. Well done for finishing the, our uh, Logic Cyprus Marathon. Here's a 10 euro discount on, uh, on uh, registering for the Mallorca Marathon in two months or the Mallorca Half Marathon. 
So this is a, a good cross promotion that you can uh, do, or even uh, you can share resources. If it's, for example, you mentioned the United States, if the state is next to each other or the cities are close to each other, and the one marathon is in March and the other marathon is in October, maybe you can share the timing equipment or you can share volunteers or you can share uh, ideas. I mean, we as um, a running industry, we should improve uh, the running community and help runners, you know, because this takes me to the, the next step to saying a big thank you to you and what you are doing with the race directors HQ, I have been active on the Facebook group that you have, asking questions, learning about other events. And this has helped me a lot with uh, taking some strategic decisions, such as changing our registration platform, was done through the Facebook group. And I hope more and more race directors learn and develop their skills so that uh, we can all offer a better service to the runners and keep the community growing. And now is is the best chance. Why? Because when the COVID hit, uh, lots of people started taking up running with closed gyms, etc. And the running community has grown. Let's not lose those new runners. Let's keep them coming back. Let's offer them lifetime experiences and uh, keep the community growing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think generally people, uh, race directors can do a lot more to work with each other. And I think the cross-promotion between races, lots of people are not making the most of that, uh, particularly for international races. You know, the idea that you mentioned with what can I have in common with some other races and maybe we can cross-promote where you say, you know, we're Cyprus, there is another race in Mallorca or another race in Malta or something, and let's build a Mediterranean league. There is a very big success story in that in international race marketing with uh, the Swedish classic. So in in Sweden, there is this thing called the Swedish classic, which is, I think, one cycling race, a couple of trail runs, some skiing races or whatever, like like an open water swimming race or whatever. And they all came together, amazing races, each and every one of them uh, in their regard for sure. And they all came together and they said, you know, we're going to make this thing called the Swedish Classic. And if you compete all of those races, I think it's within 12 months or something or 24 months or something like that, you get a special certificate that you have, you know, you have completed the Swedish Classic. And I know many of my friends, Swedish mostly, but others as well, who wouldn't have completed all of the races if it weren't for the Swedish Classic. But, you know, maybe they can cycle and they can run. And then they're thinking, you know, they pick up cross-country skiing or something and they force another race just to be able to say that they completed the, the Swedish Classic. And it's it those kinds of promotions are really, really important. I think you were telling me the other day uh, on the phone about another uh, kind of like league thing you, you, you explored, which I think is an interesting idea with the castles angle. Uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, we discussed this uh, opportunity with another marathon that is actually finishing next to a castle. And to be honest, there is something uh, that is inspiring finishing next to next to a castle. I mean, these medieval forts that battles uh, have been fought and, and people have been killed in that area. I mean, and you are just finishing a, a lifetime experience it's it's quite uh, breathtaking to be honest 
And uh, we were thinking of doing something. We actually started sharing resources. Uh, we sent him uh, leaflets and he put in the in the goodie bags of, uh, of his participants. He was about to do the same, but the race in 2020 didn't happen. So this is something we need to pick up again. And uh, I'm sure to send him an email after this. But uh, it's interesting, you know, I mean, there's a lot of race directors all around the world that can uh, give you their two cents and help you improve. So I'm sure that opening up those uh, doors of communication will, will help and benefit everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, George, it's been a very interesting discussion on on uh, marketing internationally. I think for some people it would be super relevant I stress again that for some of our U.S. listeners, they should take everything that we discussed and sort of cast it in the light of um, interstate uh, marketing, which is quite important. Uh, so thank you very much for your time today. If people want to reach out to you to discuss some of these things, I know you're in the Facebook group, but if they also want to get in touch you to, with you by email or something like that, how can they do that? Yes, they can send us an email at marketing at cyprusmarathon.com or as well as uh, I'm on LinkedIn if anyone's interested in George Kakuridis it's the surname K-A-K-O-U-R-I-D-E-S and uh, I'm open to discussions suggestions you know let's keep the running community growing super well thank you very much all the best with your December race not that long to go now in a few weeks of course the full in person uh, race uh, March 2022 thank you very much thank you thank you Banos thank you to everyone listening in and we'll see you on our next episode I hope you enjoyed this episode on international race marketing with my guest, Logicom Cyprus Marathon Marketing Director, George Kakridis. You can find more resources on anything and everything related to race directing on our website, racedirectorshq.com. You can also share your questions about marketing your race or anything else in our Facebook group, Race Directors Hub. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on your favorite player And also check out the podcast back catalog for more great content like this. Until our next episode, take care and keep putting on amazing races.